Welcome to Creative Mind Soul Sessions with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind. Explore personal growth with us through Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience in a deep but practical way. Let's begin. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Soul Sessions with Creative Mind. We're continuing our series on Like a Spark from Fire, Deborah's mm-hmm. new book. And uh, this time we're talking about how the mother influences the daughter's personality development, life, and how it plays into relationships. And how to escape your mother's shadow. <laughs> if that's possible. Yeah. So let's start with just what the shadow is. Is A shadow is something that's unconscious. It's a part of our personality that we repress or reject, and uh, we it basically remains mm. hidden to us. Uh, we can even act out the shadow, but not realize that we're, we're doing that. That's that's why it's like a blinder to us. Yeah. And when we end up, what we do is end up projecting it out in the world. So those irritating people, people we admire and people we disdain, become are they reflective of aspects of that shadow, the self that we don't identify with. So if you think about your conscious self. You have an identity, you have a relationship, a self-concept, anything that doesn't fit into that self-concept that would be socially acceptable would go in the shadow. Yeah. And so I do want to say a word about the mother, though, because mm-hmm. we're, we're not being critical of mothers no. and mothering. Uh, and if we sound that way, it's not our intention. Uh, we're simply shedding light on Jung's idea of the importance of the relationship with the mother, especially early on, and how it imprints on the individual's history mm. or life history throughout. So let's start with why is the mother such a critical role? Because yeah. it's, it, a lot of people, you know, I know I worked with women over the years and with love and relationships, and a lot of their issues really were with their, their father, um, and then some with the mother, but it was almost like... really. Yes. I found the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe because I thought my my consciousness was seeing our own shadow. Yeah, you see, when you're a coach, you see people like you that have the same narrative and the same story that Mm. fits. Although I do do have attracted a a lot of clients that were, uh, had issues with their mother and they liked me because I was kind and they were critical of their mother was critical of them. And so Mm. it was kind of like a, a nice thing. Even men, you know, had a critical mother or cold mother. And it was like having that coach client relationship helped them cultivate a more nurturing kind of idea of what a mother could be. So, but for me personally, it was always, I always thought like my issues were with my father not with my mother and just never paid attention to the impact my mother had on my life. Mm. So, yeah, but as we go along, you know, Rob and I have been doing this for how many years? 15 years. And um, we, and separately longer than that, uh, we all, we kept thinking, wow, the mother is really arising in this powerful way. Yeah, so in in theory, it goes back to Freud. Mm -hmm. Uh, Freud was one of the first ones to to talk about uh, kind of the deeper psychology of people family mm. and then of course family systems came up and all those things and uh, but but Jung uh, of course was interested in in the relationship of uh, uh, this archetypal element with a mother he saw the mother uh, pretty much the child projects 
the mother archetype onto the personal mother. And so the mother is expected to be this godlike or goddess-like creature because of that projection, and because to of the be archetype. There, everything for that child. And, and really, that you think about it, that is the mother's responsibility is to make sure that child is safe, especially in those early ages. And then, of course, they say, being a mother, Maya Angelou famously said, being a mother is like having your heart walk outside your body the rest of your life. So yeah. there's this really like a responsibility. The mother are like not only the child projects, but the mother feels that she has to live up to. Yeah. So the the primary relationship, that's uh, Freud's idea, right? That the primary relationship we have in life is with the mother mm. because it's our it's the first template that you get regarding what is a relationship and what can I expect about relationships. So obviously we're raised by flawed human beings just like us. I mean, think about this. Humans are Your mother was not a divine creature. She was <laughs> flawed like all of us are. And I, on the ego level, on a deep level, she was a spark from fire. <laughs> but she presented herself, her personality was the human personality. Yes, we're talking about yeah. the psychology yeah. here. So at the psychological level, uh, she had hangups, she had uh, 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 character flaws like all of us. And so that imprint of the primary relationship with a mother that you got early on kind of gave you that subtle understanding of what you can expect in relationships for the rest of your life unless you do shadow work mm -hmm. right that would be the that's why we we place such importance on shadow work because if you don't reveal the shadow if you don't understand what is in the unconscious mind regarding that primary relationship that's what plays out for you the rest of your life not only in relationships but in work settings in your self-image in the way you see the world in general. Mm -hmm. Because the well, archetype... Uh, I was going to say matter is uh, yes. mata, which is the um, uh, 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 translates into mother, right? Uh, yes, the primal so matter is the uh, essentially the creation of the world, the way mm. we experience it. Uh, yeah, so a little bit of Jungian uh, al alchemical <laughs> uh, theory there. And it's really interesting, uh, those... Um, there's a, a movie out with that's up for an award. It's called The Lost Daughter. And it really, really, if you haven't seen it yet, it really depicts the shadow of the mother. Like what uh, the choices this mother made. And, the, and, and ju it's just, for many people, it's a little disturbing mm. because it kind of takes it to the extreme of that that projection of the mother needs to be a certain way and it's so terrible and and, and you, it, it will stir you up but i want you to challenge you if you watch it to look at what is it that you know that you're surmising from it from your own mother relationship and and how can it open up uh, a deeper self-inquiry into what patterns uh, have you created in your life to push away these dark we say dark in a, a you know, nothing's really dark, but it just seems like out of the norm of social convention, this mother uh, established herself. So really, really powerful uh, movie. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I think about the shadow is the things that the mother had to put, reject 
in order to be the mother for you or to, to you know survive in whatever situation she mm. was in whether she was with an abusive husband and what did she have to maybe she had to be quiet and, and uh, submissive in order to make sure you kids were safe but as a child you see her as weak and so there's all these like deeper stories than what you um, you summarize as a child and then you uh, you make these judgments and then you decide, I like this persona, this is power, this is weakness, and you you kind of sort personality traits out that way, and then it molds you into this personality that you think is really naturally you, but it's really constructed by your early life experience. So the you yeah. that you think you are isn't really you. Right, okay, so for, for the daughter, uh, which is the mother then is the same sex yeah. parent, uh, she either identifies with the mother's persona or rejects the mother's persona but the mother of course has a persona and a shadow and again like you were saying the the persona is the part that she shows to society how she presents herself to mm. others the the shadow are those elements that were rejected and pushed into the unconscious but they're there mm -hmm. and as children we're really good at picking up what is going on in the shadow as well mm -hmm. intuitively instinctually of course we don't we don't reason it out um, but let's say for the daughter then identifying with the mother's persona she she takes those elements mm. of how she sees the mother act in social settings and says i'm going to be like that mm -hmm. in other words she's creating a persona that's very similar to her mother at the same time, of course, she's acquiring the mother's shadow. Unconsciously. Yes. Uh, yeah, like accepting the mother's shadow. Yes. And living out the same patterns the mother presents it, you know, the the, uh, the obstacles that she or the struggles she has with that persona, the daughter tends to play out those same struggles and same limitations. On the other hand, and this often happens, of course, especially since the generational uh, kind of patterns were broken severely in recent years where the daughter rejects the 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 mother's persona mm, the housewife or the stay-at-home mom or the subservient wife uh, who uh, kind of um, bows or or puts her her dreams aside in order to fulfill the role of the wife mm. and mother. And when a woman rejects that role, the, the persona, that, that persona of the mother then goes into her shadow. Mm -hmm. So it remains in the shadow until she does shadow work, or if she does shadow work. And I see this in a lot of uh, people that have kids I've worked with. Uh, there's this mother guilt, uh, this mm. bad mom in the shadow, this this kind of concept of a bad mom. And if you think about these concepts, these self concepts, they're very subjective because oh, in a in a you know certain culture. The mother's expected to do a lot more in a, in a Western culture. It might be different, uh, different religions. The role of a woman and the role of mother is is interpreted differently. So we we kind of adopt unconsciously what we think is right and wrong through our culture, our family, and how things are. 
and um, and then we we don't even question it, and we think bad mother means whatever we've been conditioned to believe, mm. versus that there really is this concept of a bad mother uh, or a good mother. Uh, a lot of times when the mother, like you see, you worked with children for many years and families, families. Um, a mother who would seem to be a good mother, who's always there for the child, who never lets the child fail, uh, who's always bolstering up the child. You're terrific and you're wonderful. You may think, oh, that's a good mother. But then there's always a, a, a negative side to that too, or a limiting mm. side, because then the child thinks that they don't have any kind of self-criticism or learn to like ask themselves those questions. They think I'm just great. <laughs> and you know, they, they become, they could not narcissistic, but they become almost like, um, I don't know. There, there could be some limiting aspects from that as well to always hear you're so great. You're so great. And then you go out into the world on the playground and someone makes fun of you. You don't know how to cope with that. You're just like, mm. wait a minute. Like, Mom says I'm great, but this is something strange, and then that could also um, affect the child. And you know, so there's no this idea of like this perfect parent. I think is yeah, the, I the think idea. yeah, th those are, ha have to do more with parenting styles. There mm -hmm. are different parenting styles that have been identified, uh, but really, the in the shadow work, it's more the the emotional imprint. Mm -hmm. for, for example, if you, if as a baby you cry and your mother is very nurturing and always attentive to your cries, the impression, of course, is that the world is going to take care of you. Mm. That whenever you need help, uh, whatever you need and desire or you're uncomfortable, that there's going to be help for you. That the world is going to, to provide for you in a sense. That, that is imprinted emotionally into your into every cell of your body, essentially. So at the crux of it is, is the world going to be there for me or not? Yes. So let me ask you this as a child psychologist, um, retired child psychologist. What if the child is not attended to, and the only time that child gets attention is if she throws a tantrum or is like mm. a lot of, throws a lot of drama or starts a fight? Like maybe that's her way. It, because it's harder to get attention, she would repeat that pattern as an adult. Like this is the way I get people to pay attention to me. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a, let's say a good uh, a good question. But development is a moving target. Mm. In other words, what is true in the first few years of life is not true later on. Mm. So it would depend on if what that always works for them. Yeah, and, and what part of development are you talking about? Mm. Early development, like from, mm. you know, before you, the kid goes off to school or later on. So it a lot of it has to do with those early years. Now, the, those early years, and we know in, in developmental psychology, it keeps pushing it back, saying essentially that the earliest years are the most important when you say early years what do you say so under from eight or five or? from zero to six mm. really important is that's the emotional template that very we're... important years yes are you looking for a satisfying career as a life coach if you are seeking a deeper path of training and growth creative mind university offers an icf accredited life coach training program that goes beyond surface positive thinking and into a powerful process of real transformation. You can start your new career as a certified life coach trained in a unique methodology 
based on Jungian theory, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Get the tools to become your true self, change your life, and the lives of others. Visit creativemindlife.com, click on apply, and speak with one of our team members today to discuss your future and possibilities of becoming a certified life coach. That's creativemindlife.com. And, and, and ironically, that's when parents think the kid is too small to understand. They're too little to, to come and comprehend what's going on in the family. Like if you're fighting with the spouse and then they're like, oh, the baby doesn't know. The baby's yes, not. that's right. She's in the other room or he's in the other room. They don't know what's going on. Right, right. And that's not what's happening. The kid is like a sponge absorbing everything that's going on in the family, especially the emotional life mm. of the family. And <clears throat> that imprint, of course, is a big part of what is in the shadow, mm. what is in the personal unconscious as we coach people through through that process. I find that people, men and women, who haven't received that nurturing from the mother, like when they cry and they have that they haven't received that nurturing, it's mm. they are almost and you can agree or disagree here counter what i'm saying is that my experience is that they tend to suppress their emotion because that desire to be loved and the desire to be like want that attention like almost like since it wasn't attended to they learn to suppress that need that's is that, that the, so the, yeah, that would go so, in the shadow that craving for connection and intimacy would basically go in the shadow because they never got it so they have to find a way to survive and not need it because needing it was is too painful Right, so here you get into uh, the, these different schools. So behaviorism would definitely say, well, all behavior because you know you're you're lo- observing behavior. Like, what mm. does the parent do when the child cries? Uh, it explains the outcome, basically mm-hmm. the conditioning. Mm-hmm. But re- you have to remember, each individual has kind of a built-in resilience level mm. and. Uh, built-in traits and predispositions genetically programmed already. And so you could treat the two children identically the same. Uh, Attend to their cries or not attend to their cries, and you'll have two different outcomes. So what you're really saying is stop blaming your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's part of it. A lot of times, uh, too, like I've worked with so many people over the years, and sometimes the mother, you're like the youngest of 10 kids or eight kids and the mother can't give the attention that you need mm. and there's other circumstances happening and the child is perceiving the experience in their own like like you said one child who self has more self sufficiency to like find their own nurturing and and uh, ability to have resilience like you said and then another child that genetically might not have it as clear they would have a different experience of that mother or that that mm. kind of childhood and so yeah. really we look at the childhood and see like yeah some make some generalizations but each individual it's not a, it doesn't fit into like a checkpoint like if your person mother did this then you have this right. this this kind of trauma attached to That's you right. like they they tend to do with the labels and and everyone who's been abandoned by their mother is you know has this trait or everyone who's been super nurtured by their mother is is having this trait and that's like what you're saying is that it's so subjective and very on many subjective, levels. very individualized. But the individual and whatever their experience and their interpretation of that experience 
is what they carry on into life. So it's really the interpretation, and that interpretation comes from how they've learned, like like almost like like you said, genetically dispositioned. Isn't there something where people have like a higher state of like hopefulness or uh, looking at things from a possibility versus a negative way, and and so we have all these like gradations of how we perceive the world and and the stories we make up, not even from the event itself, but what you know, who we've been kind of adopted and inherited. Absolutely. Because you look at families and there's people in the family who all grew up in the same household and some are really positive, right? Like you see, like, where did this person come from? She's so positive. And then another person could be, the child, the sibling could be just very, like, poor me and a victim. Yes, yes, because of that interpretation. So Mm. that interpretation, we can say, is the persona, Mm. right? It's the way you take that information of what was going on in your early family history, and you turn it into, this is the way I'm going to be. These are the things I identify as, and and the way I, I see myself presenting myself to the world, that becomes your persona, the Jung says that that's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's a good thing. You have to build a good, viable persona. It helps you function in the world. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what your book is about. You're talking about these these personas that people or women uh, adopt as their primary roles in mm-hmm. life. And the shadow is simply the things you pushed away. And that's what gets people. That's mm-hmm. what Jung says until you make the unconscious conscious, it's going to direct your life. Mm-hmm. So your persona is not actually going to, to direct your life. What's going to direct your life is your shadow, the things that you pushed into the unconscious mind. A very common uh, experience for me was that I thought my mother was wonderful and loving, and I still do. She's amazing. And I just adored her. But the part of me that uh, saw her as like the submissive housewife, I saw that as very limiting. Where my siblings, my my my, my sister, one of my sisters thought it would, like mm. that's the role you should. She became my mother in all those ways, and my other sister became like more extreme. I'm kind of in the middle. How we it misperceived that role, and uh, I wanted consciously to be like her. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to get married, and then I kept work kept going for men that were unavailable. And I was like, why am I doing that? Because in the shadow was. Uh, this fear of being controlled, this fear of uh, a man, you know, running my life and, and all that, that I didn't examine. And so unconsciously, I was playing out my shadow in a way that I wasn't being the mother. I put my mother in my shadow, even though consciously I thought I'm just like her. And I pursued career and I pers- did all these things that on a conscious level, I was like, this is not what I I, I plan or intend, <laughs> but it's just kind of what I'm, I, you fall into the pattern. It's almost like you feel like life circumstances are are driving this. Well, there's not enough men in the town or, you know, maybe it's my father's fault. But in, uh, inevitably, when I realized I was the one who was choosing to be single because I really was terrified of being that submissive wife everything started to change everything changed after that but we we think we're making these conscious decisions and we think we're not being the shadow but then we end up acting out the shadow and we don't even realize it because it's so unconscious that's yeah that's it uh and and by the same token when you do make the make the unconscious conscious in other words when you when you do shadow work when you integrate the shadow as Jung would say then you have free will. 
That's real free will because then you can make decisions not based on your early imprints in in the family womb, like you're in this mm. bubble of the family. Uh, you're free to to really choose who you want to be beyond the persona, beyond that role that you created to to keep you safe and, and secure. Uh, and you re- you have real conscious choices then. So the ego actually creates the persona shadow dynamic uh, from this limited um, survival mind. And so even if we, on a conscious level, we think, like I said, like I wanted love and it sounded like great, uh, but the conflict in mm. me was I don't want this either. So that inner conflict is the persona shadow conflict. And we all have them. And that's why it's, it's if we really don't have a choice when we meet someone, how much money we make, how uh, what kind of body we have health wise, um, even our you know sense of self from a spiritual level. If we don't uh, understand that persona shadow dynamic and make it conscious, we're basically we think it's fate. Like the young says, we think it's fate. I thought it was fate that I was meant to be single. And when I realized it wasn't that I needed to now say, okay, I'm going to play the role of the submissive wife, or I'm going to be the independent woman. I actually said. I don't need to choose either of those things because mm-hmm. that's what the ego as a child thought those were my two choices. It's like uh, it's like door number three, like the third option, which is you choose freely. You're not choosing not to be like your mother or you're not choosing to be like your mother out of conditioning. You're choosing something fresh and yeah. uh, and and um, and different. And that's really what we need in the world. We don't need carbon copies of each other and just kind of repeating patterns. We need people to wake up and really choose their life. And that's where we feel fulfilled. It is a metamorphosis. Mm. Uh, for, you can think of the caterpillar. You know, the, our early life is like being a, that caterpillar, just kind of surviving mm-hmm. and storing up food for later. Uh, but then there comes a period uh, that Jung called the individuation process, where you're meant to transform yourself to to really be free and acquire your wings or whatever metaphor you want to use and, and fly. And that is the individuation process, but it requires, of course, Jung says, without the emotions, there is no transformation. So a lot of people think, well, if I know my patterns, if I can see my patterns from my family history, and a lot of people get get that insight from therapy or from reading books, from self-help uh, seminars. Doing workshop, worksheets, you know, you yeah. ask yourself self-inquiry. Sometimes just kind of your mind will find a way to connect everything and it makes it really rational. Like, oh, now I know why I'm this way. But that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Insight is not enough. It will not uh, enact the transformation because it's all in your head. It's all cerebral. Mm-hmm. You have to face that initial imprint and remember that initial imprint was an emotional intuitive understanding or a kind of an interpretation of who you are and what's possible for you in the world that imprint was in kind of imprinted in your unconscious mind and i think that um the ego will make a story up and Jung said that there's kind of before you get into the shadow there's this peripheral perception that it feels like it's unconscious, it's just beneath the consciousness, it's kind of like on the side. And then the ego will use that narrative to make everything make sense. So when I was doing, you know, first self-help, the narrative was, 
you don't have a man because your father doesn't show love to you. That was that was the, uh, the 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 surface information. So if I just build my confidence and I said I, I'm lovable, then a man would love me, right? And then that would be great. And it makes a lot of sense. And so the ego will make insight make sense to you, almost like where you're not getting to the emotion. And you know, it's my mother told me a story about my my mother's reading my book and she <laughs> loves it. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Um, but she told me a story that I never heard before, and I wanted to share it because for men, too, they're very influenced by the mother. And so through my whole life, my father didn't really show emotion or affection. My mother told me the story, and now it makes so much sense. But as a child, you think they don't love you. There's something wrong with you. You make this narrative up. And then I was trying to fix that story that I am good enough, and I don't care if my father doesn't love me, and I'm strong and powerful. But uh, what she told me was that her and my father went to this personal development, like for Catholics, it was, it's called Close Encounters. And uh, she was talking about her emotions and my father got in touch with his emotions and he couldn't wait to get home and hug the kids and hug us. And, and then he went to his mother, who's a Danish woman, very, very reserved. And he went up to her to hug her and she said, wait, 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 wait what are you doing? Do you have a cold? And she's like, you know, a handshake will do. You don't have to hug me. And I, that tells me everything about my father's conditioning. And no wonder he had he didn't even have the capacity because his mother never gave him love. So he must have put that, um, his shadow was full of emotion, full of passion. And when we talked about, like early on, like 10 years ago, we talked about, or longer than that, um, we talked about our feelings everything started to change. So instead of me saying, I need to be good enough and all that, it was more like I needed to connect intimately with a man. Mm -hmm. And I needed to learn to be not unafraid of sharing my, that, getting into that emotional place with someone and sharing that. And, and, and that's where it opened me up for love. So it's like the problem that initially that your mind tells you that ego narrative is going to fit a story that makes so much sense, right? And you feel like, oh, I got it, I see the pattern. But nothing's changing. That means you're not really getting into the shadow, which is that it's a deeper, it's almost like you can't even, I can't even explain it in a, in a words of the shift that happened within me. So I don't know if you well, have anything to add to that. Yeah, the theory is that it's unconscious. Yeah. So by, by definition, the unconscious, you cannot see it. You can't, in other words, you can't look inside your mind as, as we can with our thoughts, right? We can hear and see our thoughts. Uh, the unconscious thinking or perceiving an emotional imprint is imperceptible to us. Mm. We cannot observe it. We cannot see it. And, but it's there. Mm. So the question is, how can we access the unconscious mind? That's where Jungian theory comes in. He developed specific techniques to access the unconscious mind because you can't look at it directly you cannot so if you look at the your relationship with your mother and just generally if you say okay i'm looking at my relation with my mother when you were young because it could change as an adult how do you how do how do you perceive yourself in that relationship like how the mother treated you was it good or bad is it welcoming is the world and then like basically it's how the world treats you so if you feel like your mother it wasn't loving, wasn't there for you, was dangerous, was mm. um, critical, you're going to project that into the world. So you're going to feel like everyone's criticizing you. You're going to feel like it's unsafe. You're going to feel like people leave relationships all the time. And you're going to perceive this projection 
of your relation with your mother onto the world, and then the world isn't really in your control, right? Mm-hmm. You're still you're trying to s- still win the love of the mother through the world. That's true. I, uh, yeah, you'll see that uh, overcompensating, mm-hmm. like, uh, trying to uh, be very successful mm-hmm. or very charming, et cetera, et cetera, as a way to compensate or to, to please, yeah, uh, to please people. And I always say pleasing is a defense because it sounds like a nice thing, like to be pleasing, but it really is the reason most of us please is to avoid the other person being mad at us or avoid just someone being disappointed in us. And so a lot of young women would please, if they had a critical mother, they would please their way through the, the early life because that's what helped them survive right don't upset the mother walk on eggshells here mom i'm going to do the extra chores for you and then we it becomes a part of our um we think that's who we are then we we forget yeah. that we're, we're reacting to something early on and then we think that's who we are or we could be the opposite the the yeah. daughter that rebels and you know does the goth or paints her hair a different color and you know it's just like non-conformist and rejects the mother and then that's her her kind of go-to survival kit to go out in the world and part of the and then then she'll go out in the world as an adult and needs to be that rebel all the time needs to stir things mm. up and you know so it, it yeah. really is very interesting how it your early life does really create the world that you see and perceive when it's a lot of times it's a misperception it's like a veil that covers the truth of things yeah and it is highly individualized meaning it's a personal subjective interpretation that the individual is making about what happened in her early life but in general what i've seen is this pattern of anger because anger has to be suppressed continuously in the family and uh and resentment towards the mother or anything like that definitely has to be repressed. It's like taboo to resent your mother. You're supposed to love yeah. your mother, right? Yeah, not only you're supposed to, but instinctive, biologically, the, the mother is the one that cares for you and, mm. and feeds you. And so if you have any resentment against her, you cannot e- express it because that might mean she rejects you and that would equal death to you. Mm-hmm. So instinctively... You try to be uh, very subservient to the mother, mm. pleasing, and then that you have in order to do the, the, I, the pleasers have such a, a huge anger built up because, and I think for women, don't you think that? Um, and I know I hate the male, women, female, but as women, we're we're really conditioned to, you know, be nice, and we play with the dolls, and we have the teacups, and the boys are out there, you know, playing war and. and mm tackling and there's a lot of like it's a different kind of energy moving well we got our own problems <laughs> yeah, but, but th- this talk is specifically about the daughter mother but that's how i was thinking why yeah. women have so much anger because it's only like society an angry woman is very terrible like it's like you know she's lost her her mind like she she's can't manage her emotions and we can't be angry well, yeah, but it creates this this problem, this conflict, an internal conflict, because then relationships is where it's going to, yeah. where that anger is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Some some in some form, either as as projection that uh, that you're making me angry, the guy or the person that the woman loves is making me angry, or it turns into self anger, which is depression. Mm. It becomes a depression. You be, that beating yourself up so yeah. much that you, 
you can't um, you can't function anymore, or you're afraid to make a a step out in the world because it just feels so unsafe. For me, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people too they get so hard when they make a mistake. That they get angry at themselves and they don't realize how much anger they keep taking on and like toward themselves. And I think that um, we all think that we're mad at the world, but we never examine why we're so angry with ourselves. And and, um, and that kind of, uh, you know, um, criticism, the negative thinking is really that light kind of sense of anger. But the, beneath that, there's a lot of rage that yes. we want to get in touch with. That's it. Because yeah. there's power in it. It's like all, it's like, it's like every time uh, you say yes to someone when you mean no, you're like, it's like a pocket of power you just stuffed. And you imagine your whole life just stuffing that power, stuffing that power. And then it's like a boiling <laughs> underneath. And the persona's like, no, 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 we can't show our anger. And everyone smiles uh, that all of a sudden it's going to have to be dealt with. And it's going to show yeah. up in other people being angry. Uh, disappointed in you like causing problems and you think why there's so many angry people out there and you're like well they're in your consciousness because they're a part of you in some way and we have to retrieve that projection yeah and then the pop psychology that's out there doesn't help because they split everything into good and bad so Mm -hmm. they say oh there are these negative emotions like anger and shame and guilt and no emotion is negative or positive it's just an emotion meaning it's it's a biological response to the environment it's there to tell us what is happening what is the meaning of things that are happening uh but when they split it um, up into good and bad emotions, now you're trying to get rid of this anger or mm-hmm. this shame or this guilt. And it's, it, that's not what it's about. Jung uh, says you have to integrate that. Mm. That's your power right there. If mm. you try to get rid of it, all you're doing it is driving it deeper into the unconscious and saying, I'm not angry. You know, I, I'm going to pound a pillow or I'm going to go for I'm a I'm not run. an angry person. I'm <laughs> spiritual, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yes, and and there's no power in that, right? And so you end up projecting it again, that they are the powerful ones, uh, the, the government, the people, the men, the, the society. There's the horrible men out there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or Something. the, or the so rich people. And, yeah. Somebody out there, that's projection, essentially. Mm-hmm. You see the power, but you see it outside of yourself. So anger is a suppression of power. Passion is is the expression of power. And anger and passion are actually exactly the same feeling, except one is stuffed and one is expressed. And so anger, uh, passion expressed is, I'm I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> like you just kind of, that force that says, I want to live. I want to, I'm tired of mediocre life. I'm tired of pleasing everyone. And you just, you have to kind of get angry first in order to tap into that anger, uh, that power. If you say, I refuse to be angry, that all that power is like this gold mine sitting in your, your psyche that you're not using because you think it's bad, but you can transmute it and express it in a different way. And so the ego ha- has this funny thing about labeling things, and it has a preconceived, the label that we give it makes it either negative or positive, but ultimately the ego's deciding what's negative or positive. There's no like general thing. With that said, I have a question for you. Mm. What about people that will, I know we'll get this question about what about the mothers that are really bad, that hurt the children, that put them in dangerous situations, leave them on the street corner, like really like drug addict mothers or, you know, something like that. 
how would you how would someone who is you know approach that idea of neutrality of ne- not negative or positive yeah uh that's a whole other uh, kind of uh different uh level of understanding what imprints the child gets from from that experience because then you're saying well the 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 mother role was not there for the child mm-hmm. right there there was no adequate mothering for the child and that sets up the individual for an, a whole different experience because mm-hmm. then their sense of self becomes uh warped in a sense it mm. becomes very different than than the person that has a mother role mm-hmm. to identify with or to reject uh, and there you get into the personality disorders because mm. uh, so they don't have a strong ego yes uh, personality disorders we can think of as uh, disruption of the self-image mm. the Ooh, self-image never gets really evolved uh, in, in in Jungian terms, the person never is able to develop a viable persona for themselves. So that's that's the key: is that the persona shadow, the stronger that is, the easier it is for someone to kind of individuate. But when someone doesn't even have a strong persona because they never had the mother, because they're, they're if they're especially if they're a woman, the mother is the template for her to yeah. use. But so, yeah. so so the the primary effort there would go towards helping the person develop a persona first of all. Mm. They because they haven't done that. It doesn't mean they're they're uh, like no, no, broken I mean, for the rest of their life or broken at all. It's just that the, they, the work would be different. The work would it be wouldn't different. necessarily be individuation. It would be persona development. Mm. That would be the primary effort and and they would benefit more from that. First, and then yes. they can individuate. Then they can individuate. So uh, a lot of times when I I hear these stories, you know, the terrible mothers. I mean, I've heard, you know, many, many thousands of stories. I always ask the, the client to find um, a mother, a person that was a mother figure to them. I said, so who mm. was there for you? Well, my grandmother or my, 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 the person that was my babysitter was very loving to me or the neighbor or my aunt. There's always some mother figure. And I feel like we all have someone's always there to take care of us in some way or we wouldn't have survived so let's look at that and then that relationship becomes the template that the the child but then the child has like split kind of idea of of because it's not really their real mother but it's kind of a surrogate yeah again it would depend on the individual because at this you know at the same time where all, all those apply all those principles apply that we spoke of in the beginning it's an individual interpretation because i've seen people that go through hell and they come out okay because their interpretation is i'm strong and i'm going to make it any way i can and and i'll just figure out this mother thing as i go along right uh, and and they do fine but people that are given sometimes the interpretation by professionals that they receive bad mothering that becomes their narrative their story their story and they internalize that that this this is who i am i'm i'm somebody who did not receive proper care proper mothering and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and they wear it as a badge like it's something that you like here's the thing is for me 
I felt like I couldn't undo my relationship with my father. Like there's like that's just my lot. Basically, yeah. it's part of my you know the my brokenness. You know, and uh, and we want to say that you're not broken because maybe you didn't have that ideal relationship with mother. That you have pure potential. It's just recognizing the limitation because of that experience, and then being able to transcend it because we all can transcend that. Because like I say, you're the spark from fire, which is you're identical to the divine, which has never been broken, has never been damaged, has can't be cut, can't just be destroyed. And that essence of you, your soul perfection, is not even touched with all the experiences. So that's really the big picture. Um, you know, another experience of the mother, which I read about Jung in his, um, there's a book by Claire Dunn called The Wounded Healer, about Carl Jung's life. And... Uh, she talks about Carl Jung's mother really mm. wasn't there for him. I, I don't know if she was working or something. Uh, I think he, she meant more emotionally. Yeah, oh yeah, emotionally. And then his his nanny was very loving to him. So he had basically two mothers. And um, when he you know got older, the, this woman said, this is probably why he had the affairs, because he, he never thought Emma could, one woman could hold, mm. to hold everything uh, for him in his life. So unexamined, a man seeing a split mother, he's going to have, he's going to need more than one woman, because that's kind of what was conditioning him to feel safe in the world. And I just thought that was fascinating. And how many, um, how many of us, even our clients, and those of you who are coaches and therapists, have uh, come from mixed families now, where you have a stepfather mm -hmm. and stepmother or multiple people coming in and out of your life. And, uh, and how that influences that that kind of formation, but it, you're saying that if it happened, got divorced at twelve, you're really still working with that initial imprint from the mother under six. Yeah, I mean, a good way to think about it is through that narrative mm -hmm. idea, right? That the narrative we create ourselves, and then the the narrative that is giving given to us by our culture and society and other important figures in our lives. Like if we go to a psychologist or a therapist or a priest and they tell us, you know, you're, you're broken somehow, you're, you're damaged. You have this label in the DSM-5. Yes. Then that becomes the way we experience ourselves mm. in the world. And it, uh, ideas, words, narrative, very powerful in our minds because that's the way we make meaning of life mm -hmm. there is no other way for human beings to make meaning out of life except through that narrative so whatever your narrative is you you create that meaning for yourself and also your mother kind of tells stories all the time yeah. most of our mothers will tell us stories and how she sees the world or like share with you what you know because women are more chatty than men usually and uh and you know i remember my mother just telling me all these stories and like teaching you about the world and uh and uh, fathers i'm mm. sure tell their stories too and so that's kind of impacting how you you see the world too you start to see it like the family sees it and the culture sees it and then it's more than just that individual but almost like generations of people and you find like i said my my mother was the loving mother but my grandmother was the cold distant mother so it's like the, she, i inherited that part too mm -hmm. you know and it's not only and then my mother's mother was very nurturing and loving too so and i'm sure her mother my grandmother's and my nana who was pushed my father away i'm sure her mother wasn't very warm either and it's just like that it didn't start with your mother like that idea the cause like where is that cause begin that's the question 
Yeah, so it goes back to conditioning, uh, because if you think about what we were saying about the individual, right, how all of us go through this early period of conditioning in the family and and experiencing that emotional imprint early on, uh, that means our mothers and our grandmothers and our, uh, uh, you know, generations before them, they all went through the same thing. And so Mm -hmm. the way they were acting towards us and the way they were mothering us was simply the way they were conditioned and they, they were, they, they learned to, to be a mother. And so we can't blame them. Mm -hmm. And that is where a lot of people kind of get stuck. I have to forgive my mother. I have to forgive my father. Or not all, no, that they, they have to hate their mother. Oh yeah. Right. That they have to resent their mother. And that is uh, very damaging because you're never able to move on. Mm -hmm. You're holding on to a narrative of, that person hurt me, that person did something bad to me, and, or they didn't fulfill my needs, my wishes. Now, think about that principle of projecting that then onto the world. Everyone's everything, a disappointment. Everything you experience then in the world becomes a reflection of that imprint that you have. That the world is not going to be just it's not going to give me what i need it's it's always going to frustrate me it's always going to be working against me etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. yeah and so we will we want to iterate that your mother's not a bad person and then a lot of people that have kids a lot of our clients that are older and they have kids that are grown up they're like oh my god what did i do to my children and you can't blame yourself either you can't blame yourself for anything that you're not conscious of and i think that's so important because well, all of us, especially people that are listening, the, the, you do personal development. You want to be a good person. You want to be- better yourself. And a lot of us, the more we find out about our patterns, and why are you looking at me that way, the more we're hard on ourselves for what the mistakes we made in the past. And then it becomes like, I don't want to look there anymore because it just makes me feel mm. worse about myself. And we have to understand that the ego, when the ego is in control, you are not, you're not driving. You're, the ego's driving, this conditioning's driving, and you're in the passenger seat just watching and and, and going, why is this happening to me? Uh, and feeling all the feelings, but the ego's actually driving. And so what, this work is really about understanding the shadow so we can d- transcend the ego. Not just making the persona better, because making the persona more confident, better, bolder, rejecting something to be something else is only going to build more conditioning and act out of that. And you're still not in control of your life. Yeah. And, and a lot of people that we take through the shadow work tell us it, it, it has improved my relationship with my mother, with mm-hmm. my family in mm-hmm. general. And the part the um, partners too. Yes. So let's, let's leave this talk with that idea. How, how does it improve or how we, how can people create, especially women, how can they create a better relationship with their mothers? Well, for me, it's that um, it's just a, like if you want to have that song, if you want to be closer to if I, if you want to be closer to me, get closer. Uh, I want to be closer <laughs> to you. You got to get I got to get closer to me or something. <laughs> I don't know you know that song. Uh, yeah, if yes. you want me to be closer to you, get closer to mm. me. You know that song? 
I'm, yeah. I'm a, not a good singer, but that's the song. I remember that um, song uh, came up uh, one time. I was in a relationship, and I was like, "Why isn't this guy like not getting closer to me?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm the one who's not getting close." And that's really what I realized when my relation with my father, and then these things that we want from our mothers. Like, I want my mother. I want to have deeper mm-hmm. conversations, and um, or I want to have like a man that my husband. I want him to talk deeper with me. Well initiate that you bring that up and not forcing them but you what is in you that prevents you from having Mm -hmm. that intimacy and what i realize is that it's not the other person it's me that's holding back it's me that's afraid of risking rejection of risking being uh pushed away that doesn't um that that is preventing that intimacy and so if we can say look at what that other person is presenting and saying, how can I be like that? And where am I being like that? And then being willing. It's like you said, Young said that um, facing your shadow takes great moral courage because it really takes courage and a strong ego to say, I'm going to look at this, but this doesn't define me, but I want to look at these behaviors so I can be free of them, not to judge myself. Yeah. And so that's where I think our non-judgment translates into the, 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 a better relationship with other people because we're not just being reactive with them. We're being open and curious about who they are and why they're being that way. Yeah. Yeah, I find there's a couple of parts that people find difficult. One of them is uh, it, it's like forgiving, but it's not really forgiving because it's more in the sense of understanding. It's like acceptance. Acceptance, right, that the behaviors that your parents exhibited in general but you know especially we're talking about the mother here the behavior that she exhibited the way she parented you was the best she could do be given her given her genetics given her culture her training her learning her circumstances that's the best she could do and once you understand that and really accept it then you drop it. It's mm. not about that you have to forgive her bad deeds. It's more that you understand where she was coming from, that she was just a human being doing her best, just like you. Even if her best was like a one as opposed <laughs> to a 10, you're alive and yeah. she gave you life. And if anything else, we should have some sort of uh, love for her. And I think we all do on a deep level, but then the circumstances make us suppress that love. The love that we had when we were born or in her womb, uh, there, there was some love experience there. You're, you're in this like beautiful place uh, connected to this other human being and being cared for and nurtured. And then you come out and maybe that stopped when you were born. Mm. Maybe it stopped at age one or two. But there was a time where you did have that. So it's not something you have to create. You already had that experience with that person yeah. as a human to human. The, so, the other one, the other difficult part is accepting full responsibility for your life. That because if you one. notice in the narrative that, oh, somebody messed me up, right? Mm-hmm. And this is... Uh, prevalent in our culture that we think our parents messed us up somehow that our Mm -hmm. i'm this way because our parents my parents messed me up uh no if you accept full responsibility that means you're not blaming anybody Mm -hmm. you're not blaming anyone including yourself so a lot of people think self-responsibility means self-blame yes you're not blaming yourself either you're you're understanding what behavior is what genetics is, what conditioning is, what uh, society is, what socialization is. And you're seeing things as they truly are, that 
you're free essentially to create your life from this moment on any way you want to. Mm-hmm. But you have to accept responsibility. If you hold on to the narrative of I was damaged, I was broken, I was hurt by somebody else, you cannot you cannot create anything new because you're stuck in that narrative. Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like it, it feels challenging at first when people hear this because they're so... I think people get, and I know for me, I got something out of being mad at my dad and mm. being like, he's the bad guy because it takes the responsibility off me. It's like, I didn't, I don't have, I didn't have a say because he wasn't loving. So it's his fault that I don't have relationships in my life. And it's the, my mother's fault that I don't have this, you know, um, uh, you know, love or abundance or whatever we're missing in our life. And uh, and then when we accept responsibility, that's really where the power comes back. Is yeah. like, okay, I understand my conditioning, and there's a way out of conditioning. Like the Buddha says, there's suffering, and then there's a way out of suffering. And the way out of suffering is not just to create a shiny new persona that feels confident in herself. It's even deeper than that. It's that connecting to what's the true you, which is the part of you has never been damaged, never been harmed. And imagine you seeing yourself as divine and then seeing other people as divine, and then you see their humanistic traits, but you don't, you realize there's more to them. What a beautiful world we would be in. We'd be in greater understanding, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it's about. All right. Well, juicy topic. Uh, if you have questions, uh, make sure you uh, post them below. We'd love to hear. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. There's uh, We're on Spotify. We're on uh, iTunes. Just uh, look in the links below in the descriptions and find out where those links are. We also, if this intrigues you and you want to be a coach and you're saying this stuff is interesting, I'd love to be able to share this with others. Uh, we do have a, a coach training that we do uh, three times a year. So there's information below in the links to find out more about that. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel by pressing the button on the bottom with our little logo, and it'll help you subscribe right away. Thanks for watching. So we'll see you next week. And uh, remember, you're perfect and divine in every way. And um, so is your mother on a deep level. Stay well. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Creative Mind Soul Sessions and join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Sessions. See you next time.